It's the most wonderful time of the year. Ding dong dong. Cause Robert is singing and David is hidden and he is still here. It's the two indie authors of the year. Well, that was definitely improvised. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome, everyone, to episode 10 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, Michael Boop. Sorry, David B. Lyons. (laughs) This week, we will be discussing, not singing, discussing in detail the key area of branding. Mm. Uh, We will also tackle a question sent in by one of our listeners about getting into bookstores and doing bookstore events. And towards the end of the show, we will be inviting the fascinating romance time traveling author Rosalind Tate onto the hot seat to answer our seven questions Mm. we shall however begin as we always do by discussing the week that was robert so tell us when did you start taking the singing lessons never which will shock no one (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's been it's been a good week i think um awesome kind of um on the kind of wind down to christmas i've just been spending a lot of time writing um as you know i was doing nanorimo so now i'm actually only yeah i'm only like two chapters away from completing the next book wow that's so it's quick, unbelievable man. um yeah so i should work. have that done by the end of this week um brilliant and then i'll be with my editor which i'll get back I don't know early like probably end of this year which then means I can put go start the production process I should be getting my cover some point this week so I can start oh, nice. formulating Exciting. putting it all together and just going to launch it again there's no real strategy other than that so um that's been pretty well. good however I would also like to say David would you like to know how I massively effed up this week yeah. yeah go ahead because this is this is a good example of um you know what can go wrong and why being indie and being in control of everything is really good because of how quickly i could fix it so um when i did launch name maker in the lead up to that i had to update the back matter of all of my other books because I have to put the, the okay. link to, to Name Maker and the new box set in there as well. So yes. every book gets the back matter updated. I have to download them all from Vellum, upload them all onto Amazon. It's a boring process, but it's one that we have to do, right? Yeah. Somewhere along the line, it appears I uploaded the wrong book to one of the books. So <laughs> The wrong manuscript yeah, into so the I wrong uploaded book? Oh, no. book eight, The Kingdom, into book six which is called Man of My Word. Um, Uh-oh. And obviously, once you've uploaded it and click save, it, then you can't edit the book again because it says Amazon are reviewing yeah. your edits. Now, you would oh, think yes. you would think Amazon would go, this isn't the right book. It's called something different. However, they don't because no, it's, they just, it's yeah. just a normal it's process. It's an algorithm. It's not a human. So yeah. I, I knew I did it. 
So the second I got the email, I was sitting there like refreshing my inbox to see, did I get the email that says your manuscript, your, your book is now on the KDP store. Um, as soon as I did that, I went in, saw that I'd done it wrong, uploaded man on my word, saved it. Boom. A couple of hours later, your things stuck. So for a couple of hours, I had the wrong manuscript against book. And unfortunately I had book eight, the book eight manuscript against book six. Yeah. So I was very quickly able to fix it. However, I've now had three people message me saying, uh, book six is the same as book eight. Now, obviously, that's... How many people? I've three. Had three so far, which means in that okay. few-hour period, I'd like sales of book six in my series. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah, that's nice. I guess it's just a proof of constant sales, but... It's, it's constant running, However, yeah. I've then been able to fix it by... I speak to them personally. They message me personally. I can then set up my book funnel to give them the book for free, free and download book, it straight yeah. to their e-reader and they've taken it like really well i've just said to them unfortunately you've read two books ahead so stuff that's referenced in the book you've read you're now going to read about so it might spoil a couple of things yeah. um however I, and, and the thing is you think you'd notice because like book eight references quite a lot of book six and seven where some major things happen so they must have been thinking like oh when did that happen however it just goes to show the mistakes that can happen but i was very able if anything i've probably been able to solidify their readership more by by giving them the book as quickly as possible and apologizing and stuff like that so yeah it's been a yeah. fun thing to tackle this week yeah. fun mistake um, but it, it, again more proof of the autonomy and control that you have because if that mistake had been made through a publisher it could have taken a long time for it to rectify so yeah imagine you that. managed to um, quick um, fix it as, as quickly as possible mm. um, yeah I haven't made any mistakes like that um, I have to say but I, every time I'm uploading a manuscript I worry about a mistake mm. like that and I was thinking, oh, something's wrong here. You, you just, you, you know, you just can't go through all 80,000 words again. Uh-huh. Um, and you just feel that anything just go wrong just before I uploaded the final yeah. draft. Um, so what's going on? I have, a, I have like a little cheat sheet now that I follow when I, when I do that process. Like I, I you know, um, extract all of the newest vellum files into a new folder on my Mac in cloud. So I then just copy that yeah. folder into Dropbox. So I know it's got all the latest versions I've just done. I double check all the dates of them before I send them stuff like that. So yeah, yeah so yeah, check this is good. So I've had to, I've put some checks in place. It's just, you know, I, I would like our listeners to learn from my mistake. Don't, you know, let from me make mistakes, it for yes. you. Um, <laughs> but, so yeah, so that's kind of just been it this week. David, last week you launched a book that I know you'd spent a lot of time yep. and mind power on getting together. Yeah. How has it gone, my friend? Yeah, pretty good. Um, so The Murders That Killed America, which is the third book in my America series, the America trilogy, um, came out last Friday. Uh, it's done really well, but it did... This is the first book I've ever sort of put on pre-sale. Yes. Which I've explained on, on the podcast. So it and, and I normally sell I've I've well I, I've about three and a half thousand sort of dedicated followers on Facebook. I have an email list of about seven and a half thousand, although I'm about to trim that down because mm. I've noticed it's a thousand or so that are not not engaging. Opening any emails or engaging at all. Um 
and I'm sort of always aware that when I launch a book, I'll sell about three thousand to three and a half thousand books. I'm uh, that will happen, but that sort of tended to. Ha- I didn't get the launch day rush of that this year because it was on pre-order, and they tended to order in August or September yeah. while it was on uh, pre-launch. So I didn't. Um, I-, I was into the top three hundred. Oh, that's good. On Amazon, but that was in October. But for lunch, where I normally get into the top 300 or even close to 100, uh, I can, uh, I've been as high as 50 is the highest I've been. Um, I didn't hit, reach those heights on publishing day this year. No. Uh, because of the pre-sales. But I mean, I, I, didn't, I haven't sold any less. I just didn't hit, I didn't have that rush of launch day so it, it's another test something i've tested i don't think i'm put off pre-sales i just think i will have a shorter pre-sale yeah. going forward i'm learning from it i will always be learning because our, the, the our career is digital really isn't it predominantly yeah um, and digital is a baby and it's still moving on so we'll, we'll, we'll always be learning and i will learn from this one again would so you, would you do it next again? time i put a book out I, i'll do a, i'll do a pre-sale but probably only for about three weeks i think rather than three months oh right yeah so yours was three months i did, i had my book on pre-sale yeah. but it was no it was like I, I kind of put it on pre-sale when I was like, I, I roughly know when it's ready. It's almost pretty much ready. So it's only like a month yeah, away. Uh, you're more formulaic than me. Yeah, yeah. And disciplined than I am. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was just because in July this year, when I was trying to get through this book, I was going, oh, this one's taking a long time. It was the first time I've ever sort of, remember I was telling mm. you, I, I was feeling isolated. I wasn't at my best. I did lose my friend in the summer as well, yeah. which was um, w- was heartbreaking. Um, so I wasn't at my best. And I thought, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to, I'm going to put a release date out for this book, not for my readers or anything, but for Mm -hmm. me to get it done. Um, So I I think I had it on pre-sale too long. It was more to motivate me. I will learn from it next time, maybe up to a month, maybe two to or three weeks pre-sale will probably be enough to get people giddy. So what you'd ideally like is sort of a build up around launch time of your book. Um, to maybe give it to your email list on day one on launch day and then on facebook the next day announce it's being launched so over two or three days you're getting your thousands of readers mm. buying the book rather than them all buying it on the one day where it hits a height and then just drops out of the charts Um, so that's what i've done i didn't follow that formula that has worked for me in the past this time but i don't think i've sold any less books or anything less than i've expected it just worked differently in terms of infiltrating the tr- charts and getting up towards the top yeah um but because it's book three in a series i don't really need it to be shining bright in the top 100 or the top 300 um but i'm very happy overall it's been a strong month for me um not just with my fiction books my alec ferguson biography tends to fly off the shelves in december i guess as a gift product mm. so that's um been selling really well so i'm, I'm having a very profitable healthy month and i'm delighted now to sort of take the the foot off the gas and i'm going to take a break certainly over the christmas my focus is only this podcast now up until christmas and in the new year i am going to um have a, have a real serious think about where my next books will go yeah. or what they'll even be about i've no idea yet uh, i have very very small ideas um, plus, I am getting excited about the 
screenplay of one mm. of my books that I have hinted through the podcast that I'm still waiting to hear. I'm still waiting on a couple of phone calls, but I've three really interested production companies now. And I, I have a feeling or I have a hope rather that that's my first six months of next year. Oh, that'd be cool. But I'm working on this screenplay, but I don't know yet. So um, it's still all up in the air. But yeah. We, I'm winding down towards a Christmas um, and you have a couple of chapters to write, don't you, before you wind down for your Christmas too. I do. I also, um, while you're just doing a little teaser there of your um, potential screenplay, I also have a little teaser, David. Nice. I, um, I think I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that I've been working on a little Christmas gift for... Oh, the Christmas gift, Christmas yeah. gift, the gift of me. Um <laughs> no, I actually have been working on a gift for our listeners. However, I think I might reveal all at the end of the podcast because I'm oh, you I'm a saucy, saucy little beast. A saucy beast. So you're, te- you're, you're telling our listeners that you have a Christmas gift for them, but they have to wait another 45 minutes or an hour to get that gift. Yes, I am that guy. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Stick with <laughs> Stick us. Stick around. Stick with us and you will get a gift at the end of the show. So, uh, David, um, you told me this week you wanted to talk about branding. Um, So that's what we're focusing on on this week's show. It's something that you've actually probably mentioned every other episode um, about the importance of branding um, yeah. especially when we've had our seven questions we talk about their, you know, the author's branding and stuff like that so um, it's obviously something that is crucially important, it's something you're very passionate about so for our listeners what is branding? Yeah it just seems to have popped up in so many episodes mm. the word branding that we thought um I thought this week that that's we we should make make it a, a main talking point so um branding i guess sounds obvious but we we'll ex- explain it anyway so coca-cola i guess is a brand it's one yeah. of the biggest brands in the world mcdonald's is a brand and and the golden arches and the golden m that you see is the brand that you know makes you think of mcdonald's every time you see it so can you as an independent author think of a brand that will help potential readers sort of recognize who you are or what your books are mm. um, and the more concise and the more professional you can have your brand or design your brand or have your brand designed for you the better it is for your author business overall and it's not just author businesses if you walk down the aisle of Isles of Sainsbury's or Asda now, Rob. Um, either side of you, you'll you'll have these products. So you might have a sauce. Say mm. you're down. You're walking down the sauce aisle. When you pick up that sauce, it on the back of it, it will explain what the branding is and who it is. And nowadays, an awful lot of these brands tend to be very personable. Yeah. So it will say this sauce is you know made from my grandmother's recipe that she passed on since the Second World War. Um, my grandmother's name was Gwendolyn Johnson yeah. and you know she used these ingredients blah 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 so you're giving a personalised vision for your brand yeah. now how does this relate to in the authors well it relates to us in a number of different ways so 
your brand and, and Robert is perfect for this. So check out Robert's books on Amazon for branding. Just look at his books. Look at the relation from one book to the next and book covers. Robert hasn't designed them, but his designer has designed them with his brand in mind. Yeah. So when you see a Robert Enright book, you know you're looking at a Robert Enright book. And that's that's correlation of branding. And it's, it's very key for us as independent authors. But of course, branding doesn't have to be just your book covers. No. It can be across your social media and across how you relate to your potential readers and, and the aesthetic that you give off. And, and your, your books are a great example of that, Rob. Well, I like to think of like your branding is almost like your calling card. So it, yeah. I want now, I want people when they see a cover of my book, they want to immediately know it's mine before reading the author name. And I think when yeah. you have authors who have nailed that, um, it really, really helped. And I, like you said, I did. I made a really concise um, effort, um, a really concerted effort to to bring my covers up because I thought that's probably one of the biggest branding t- tools I have because I send people to the books. So, but then when you tie it in with other things such as like my mailing list, my website, um, my advertising imagery. I I make sure they all they all align so you know they're Relate. all linked together. Yeah. Like I have a tagline that I use which is a uh, fiction never hit so hard. Um brilliant. But that's like on my mailing list, it's on my ads um it's almost like, again, like a little calling card at the end of my ads. The other branding I have, um, I think I've mentioned it before, is like Sam Pope is all about, in the books, it's reference to his fight against like organized crime. So I always tell people to join the fight if they're just starting out. And then yeah. all the other books have like taglines around like fight for someone, fight for justice. Oh, really? And it's none of that's happened by chance that's all been yeah. you know, carefully thought about like I, I i said i didn't design the cover but i saw covers that i thought they would look well in my branding so i gave the concept to my cover designer and then they just worked their magic but i think you know yeah. like you're saying it's it there, there's the personal side but there's also the Right, that's a Robert Enright book, or that's Robert Enright's territory because you know the branding. Yeah. And I think that's, for me, like a really, that's kind of how I approach branding, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, you, you, yeah. It, it, it has to be, as you said, a pre calculated or a conscious sort of decision. Um, it, yeah, fiction never hits so hard is great. And then you, you, you use the sort of fight, the, the word fight sort of throughout your. Mm-hmm marketing so it, it all relates so it's um I, I mean i wouldn't say it is impossible to sell books without good branding but i would say it's much more difficult to sell books on multiple books without good branding yeah. so the better the branding um the more likely you are to secure a, a reader base or the more likely you are to have potential readers uh, be aware of you even if they haven't read your books to have potential readers aware of Robert Enright mm-hmm. or the branding of Robert Enright um, can can definitely come around to your favour in the future 
Um, so you yeah you brand with that sort of fiction never hit so hard plus the sort of reiteration of the word fight and 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 the aesthetics and the colours that you use that are constant throughout your your covers and your marketing and even on your your website and then through your social media. I was very conscious of branding as well, but I was in a very fortunate position that my wife sort of works in that area her, her had worked in that area so before i'd even released my very first book i was on top of branding and and i decided in consultation with kerry my wife that i would be the open author mm-hmm. and i would be open to my readers contacting me my email would be out there my social media would be out there you can come and ask me questions anything about my characters anything about my books anything about my process of writing my books uh, i'm just i'm the open author which is the name of my website and it's all over my social media so come and you know annoy me ask me <laughs> questions i'm I'm very open and transparent to sharing my processes with my readers but on top of that i'm also very interested hence the podcast of being very open and honest and transparent about my author business to those who would like to follow in our footsteps, Robert. Yeah. Um, so, so that's another part of my branding is is the the openness of uh, my emails or contact lanes that you you can get in contact with me and just pose any questions to yeah, me. And and it's it's very genuine as well. Your branding, like that that open yeah. authorness, isn't isn't like a character you play yeah again lucky although they say you earn your luck but one i had kerry in my corner so she knows all about branding two um i've been a i've been a teacher as well so uh, i sort of had that openness to me or that sort of preacher way yeah (laughs) um where i i have been passing down sort of lessons for for many a year and um, i'm also an extrovert yeah Um, so i like being in front of people and i like talking to people and 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 passing on my knowledge or even exchanging knowledge with with people as i do with you Um, and i've done a lot of video work and stuff so it sort of the open auto brand suited me it suited my personality it suited who i was there's no point in in somebody listening to this and i'm going Oh, so David B. Lyons, he came up with the open author. That's a good idea. I'm going to be the transparent author. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you sort of, yeah, because if it doesn't suit you to be that way, well, then it, your brand is going to come across as quite contrived it, or, or it's fake. It's inauthentic, isn't so it? So you have to figure out, it's inauthentic, yeah. So you have to figure out who you are, how it works for you, what sort of voice you're going to lend to your readers, um, what sort of personality you have, and, and, and really link that into your branding. I think that's a good tip. It's really, really, really good tip to, to, to link it back to you as a person as opposed to what you think it should be. Um, so the branding yeah. of you is, um, like I said, it's, it's, it's spot on. The open author very approachable doesn't shut up <laughs> yeah um, yeah that's obviously me. joking a lot but, of talking but you, no you're not <laughs> but also the branding of your your books as well i think we should touch upon because that's like yeah you, you you again like me you've made a very calculated like conscious effort to to bring them in line and to have a certain brand so you know people won't see you on amazon they might see your picture 
if they're taken to your yeah. Amazon sales page, they'll immediately be hit with all your branding. So how do you go about yeah. doing that kind of branding? Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, one, th- one thing you mentioned there is picture or the photograph. Your author photograph, have a professional one done. It doesn't have to be by a professional because, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend or your mother or father or anybody you live with can now take a professional-like photograph because the, the technology we have in our pockets now is, is as good as any professional photographer has. Mm-hmm. Not dissing on professional photographers, but, you know, stand in front of a white wall and have somebody take a really sort of intimate shot. Now, it all depends on who you are. So if you're a romance writer... Um, it might be nice to have a bit of a sultry sort of profile picture. But if you're a comedy writer, you don't want a sultry photograph, right? So so link your picture, your photograph, uh, your author photograph and, and have that sort of a bit of a staple through all of your branding. So when you're if, if you're appearing as a, on a guest blog or something, um, have that photograph as part of it. So people see it and know it so i think people will see i have a black and white sort of almost sultry photograph of me and it's through all my online presence yeah. so when people see it they go oh that's your man that's that bald dublin guy that writes the crime novels mm-hmm. they they know it it's relatable <laughs> so i would like to when i'm appearing on a guest blog or on a website to send in a different photograph because i think oh people are just going to be sick of seeing this one of me but it's key that it's the same one all yeah. the time or similar to the same one because it relates to the branding um, yeah, with my books, like you, Robert, I was very conscious of it. And my byline is very specific. It's actually above my title, which is very ego driven. Um, but except it's really not much to do with ego at all. It, it was all to do with branding. Yeah. Um, when people see my books, they go, oh, that's a David B. Lyons book. Now, I'm slightly different to you in that your nine books, soon to be 10 in the new year, um, are of the one series I have also nine books out but they're three trilogies someone's going to love that you said three separate trilogies (laughs) someone's going to love that i said three trilogies and you will notice that the byline is all the same and when you look at all my books you'll go oh that's a david b lines book but each trilogy has its own sort of branding as well um so they're different cut the books are slightly different colors even though they give off the same mood um they they are packages and a separate branding package in themselves each trilogy yeah but again like you very conscious and calculated and thought of prior to the designing of the books because i was aware of branding and the key and and how key it is i mean that's that's really interesting for me actually as well it's really interesting it'd be obviously interesting for our listeners but for me because actually one of my games for next year is i have a se- i have a second series that i never ever talk about it's an urban fantasy thriller series the yes. bermuda jones yep. series and i'm actually now i'm going to look to resuscitate that in 2023 because uh, i've Brilliant. got new covers for them they look great but also my um now, my readership and my ability to market has now grown exponentially since in the last four years since I've been doing Sam Pope exclusively. So I might try and do it, but then that's going to take a whole new um, approach to branding because they're very different, very yeah. different genres. Um, so it'd be interesting to, to see how that works because obviously that's something you juggle. You have to basically market three brands, yeah. whereas I'm only currently marketing one. Um, yeah. which would be an interesting thing. They are subtly different. So the, the branding is subtly different, but um, 
which I would recommend for you then when you are doing the Bermuda or when you're bringing to life, resuscitating the Bermuda series. But yeah, it, it should still be a Robert oh, Enright yeah. book, right? So people will go, oh, this is Robert Enright, but it's just, I know I'm hitting or entering a slightly different time. Yes, uh, 100%. And um, I just, I, it'd be quite interesting. I'll say, yeah, we'll, we'll save this on a uh, on a podcast we're going to be doing relatively soon about what the new year holds for us but there'll be some interesting things in there that'll do with that um just reflecting on on the stuff like you you went about doing like your your personal branding as like the open author um you sort of did that as a like you said you sat down and you spoke with with your wonderful wife about it um yeah i kind of went down a similar i think it's when we started really coming up with the concept of this podcast because i started a youtube channel didn't i um that's right um which was giving small five to ten minute videos on little things authors could do to you know help build their their author business and that was called the indie author yeah. playbook um but i don't i just it, it became way too time consuming um so like beyond that i don't think i've ever really I mean, I I just have like a kind of a split between my Facebook is probably more book focused for me as like a a branding tool. So like I post a lot in my Facebook yeah. page and my personal Facebook group um, with updates. But then like my Instagram is sort of like a fifty fifty split between oh look I've got another book out and then like oh here's a picture of my daughter with a turkey hat on her head or something like that so um yeah, yeah. more personal yeah i think it's a bit more personable and i think i get a lot of feedback um i get a lot of emails from readers um when i send out newsletters um and i get a lot of comments on facebook ads about how i always respond and i always talk so i guess yeah, yeah. when it comes to like a personal brand i think my one was just like you know be humble <laughs> like don't be a dick to people yeah <laughs> it's just um yeah and and just you know always let your readers know that you know you appreciate them spending their money on on the stuff that you yeah. put down um yeah it is interesting and it is as i mentioned sort of dependent on sort of your own personality and your genre of books you write in because there's no point in being this serious author if you're writing comedy books no. right and then there's no point in being this hilarious i'm throwing out jokes every day if you're writing dystopian you know futuristic doomsday books so you kind of have to match your personality with your your genre in a way so actually so what what tips would you give our listeners roberts to to bring this discussion to um a conclusion what, what were the main tips you would pass down so I'd say, like, just sort of double down on what I was just saying there. It's like, just, like, trust your gut and, like, be yourself. Like, if you be yourself, you can't really be wrong. Um, unless, obviously, you're, like, you know, a racist or a dickhead, then obviously, you know, don't be those things. But if you're being yourself, it might not appeal to some people. And you know, even like doing this podcast, I'm 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 pretty sure I'm I'm just being me on this podcast. You've heard from my ridiculous singing yeah. in the beginning. Um, yes, there'll probably be people who listen to this and think I'm arrogant for talking about 
how many books I've sold or or telling people this is what you should do. Like, and that's fine. Yeah. But there are going to be many people who appreciate it. So, um, you know, don't try and cater to everyone. Just be yourself and you will cater to the people who gravitate to you. Like, um, I find that so, yeah. like, especially now with, like, how social media is. Like, people can spot fake like that. Like, they can see yeah, something so fake. Easy. You can see a... A social media profile that has got 12,000 followers but all their pictures have like 10 likes it's like okay well that's a fake profile that's someone who's paid for it like people can sniff it out yeah. and yeah it's easy um, to see now I think you know just be yourself and like you said it's you know if so if I look at my Instagram and my Facebook if I was I, I'm pretty happy go lucky I'm pretty positive I'm pretty you know like and I'm like that on Instagram. If I then become like a really yeah. serious dullard on my Facebook, like when I'm doing my official Facebook posts or my mailing lists, it wouldn't really sync up with with, yeah. with with who I am as a person. And like I said, people can spot fake. So people can say like, oh, he's trying to be a serious author. Like, what? Well, yeah. So I just think like authenticity is a really useful tool. It doesn't cost anything. Yeah. But like I said, I think it just it depends how comfortable you are on letting who you are see like out to the world. Yeah. Because then I think yeah. that, that can really help there. your brand. Um I can I can only echo that authenticity is 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 key. Um because yeah, the, the tip that I uh, really wanted to get across on this is who are you? Mm. There's no point in being anybody other than you. And so you are your brand. You are the face of your brand. You are the voice of your brand. Brand, your um, your own creativity is what your books are. So it's you. You are the brand. So just ask yourself these questions: What kind of author are you? What type of personality do you have? Um, work out who you are, how you work, what genre you write in. And um, this is all pivotal for you to come up with a unique brand and make it unique. As I said, there's no point in copying anybody or trying to be inauthentic. If it's not you, it's not going to work. So find out what sort of voice you would like to have on social media, how you would re like to relate to your readers and... Um, you, you know that they i think are the most important questions to ask when it when it comes to creating a brand for yourself and your books so it's now time for us to delve into our mailbag which we do every week david and i must say um i'm getting quite excited by the number of questions that we're starting to get in our facebook group yeah. it's been quite nice to see hasn't it it has yeah i've noticed the sort of numbers or we uh, myself and robert are, i've started from this podcast from scratch mm. so we are not looking to um you know recruit anybody onto our, our listenership we want the right audience for this and it's nice to see the numbers going up and the questions coming in are all interesting in fact some questions come in you think oh we could do a whole talking point on this one yeah absolutely um so um if you have sent us a question um we should uh, we would have, we would have acknowledged it in the uh in the group david and i are both very active in our two of the authors uh facebook group uh yeah. but we will get around to answering it i think every question that we're getting is really really um 
like an insightful one and could could cause a really good little discussion so yeah uh, this week's question comes from Stephen Rayson um, and he posted in our group I am just planning the launch of my second book my first got the orange tag though in a niche political category first off congratulations on on the tag well done. Um, I am thinking about events in independent bookstores but I'm a little nervous of approaching them as a KDP author any thoughts on this i know they are unlikely to drive many sales and then he actually signs off saying i'm going to look at facebook ads after listening to your podcast which is quite nice to know that we're making a having an an impact impact. (laughs) so so david i guess to summarize up as a independent author who's exclusive on amazon what are your thoughts on um doing events in independent bookstores um well i would first say to Stephen. um he says, I'm going to have a look at the Facebook ads afterwards. That would be a priority um, yeah. ahead of appearing in bookstores. But my thoughts on it, I have done a few appearances in bookstores. Well, I say a few, I've literally done three. Um, well, well, here's the thing. First off, I would say you will be appearing in a bookstore for the enjoyment of the event itself. Mm-hmm. It won't be an exercise in selling books. Um so my wife, I keep bringing her up in this podcast. This should be called <laughs> Two in the Orders and Dave's Wife. Um, so she's a creative coach. So she she would call something like this the ego exercise, right? Uh-huh. And she's often saying to me, oh, that's only for the ego. Um, and it's true, um, which is fine. The ego exercises are great in business. She does ego exercises for her businesses all the time. So do I. I brag uh-huh. about milestones on my social media Um you know, I, I have the odd boast here and there, and that, that's just for the ego. It's not to drive sales. Um, nothing wrong with an ego exercise, I should say, Stephen, but a bookstore appearance will be just that. Um, so an ego exercise is, is an, an exercise undertaken that won't do anything for your business, but will satisfy you personally, right? Yeah. So, and it's, as I, I must state again, it's not a bad thing. Um, so... It just needs, it, I just want it to be understood that there's a difference. So this is an ego exercise versus a selling exercise. So it's important to know from the outset that um, it's not that easy to get, to approach bookstores and say, you know, I'm an independent author. I've sold such and such books. I write in such and such genre. Um, I have this time free. Would you like me to come in and speak with your customers now here's the thing about bookshop owners is one if you walk into their bookstore as an author you might think that's impressive and me and rob might think that's impressive that you're an author but the bookseller you know this will not be unique to them Mm. so if you want to appear in bookstores to have a talk or maybe a reading from one of your novels and then hopefully sell a few well there's a way to approach it it's not going to be a case of i'm an author open the door i want to come in and talk to your customers <laughs> um you'd have to go about it as professionally as you can mm-hmm. um so and, and does it suit you as well is it part of your personality we spoke earlier on when we were we um delved deep into branding Robert about what's your personality are you an extrovert a lot of writers are introverts which is why they write because it's an isolating experience so exactly. if you're a, a, if that is part of your makeup or your personality there's no point in you 
um, standing up in front of a crowd of people to try and do a reading from your book or describe your writing process. So if, if you are an extrovert, it'll, it might work for you, Stephen. I'm sure you are, seeing as you're keen to do this. So you've asked, how would you go about it? Sorry, I've waffled. I'll now, I'll now answer the question. <laughs> um, I like doing bookshop stuff. I mean, I don't love it enough to seek it anymore. If it comes into my lap, I will take it up. Um, but if I were to seek it, this is how I would go about it. I would go to that bookstore with a signed copy of one of my books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would then deliver my highlights to the bookstore owner. I would say, my name is David B. Lyons. I write in the psychological suspense genre. I've sold 360,000 books. I've been number one in four different countries. Uh, you know, I, w- I would give my highlights to almost impress this bookstore owner. Mm-hmm. Because she's not going to be just impressed by the fact that I'm an author, because they speak to authors all the time. So why I might be impressive. Um, And then I would say, listen, I have, you know, I would give experience of speaking in public. In my case, I'd been a teacher for a while. I'd, um, I don't, I've been on stage. I've spoken uh, about creative writing. I have um, been on done this before bookshop signings and and bookshop appearances so Stephen you may not have the wealth of sort of experience I have at at speaking in front of people but you have some experience so highlight it highlight why your books are good what you can do for this bookstore right and then tell them that you will guarantee to fill a dozen seats or so And, and that sounds a little sort of deflating because you're thinking well I want to get into that bookstore to sell books but the truth is the bookstore owner is only going to let you into her bookstore if she thinks she's going to sell some books as well so it it, it has to be business for her yeah I'm using a female as a bookstore owner <laughs> um so you have to your job here is to show value to the bookstore and the bookstore owner right don't just make it about you so, as I said, go in with a, a, a signed copy of the book just for this bookstore owner. Tell them your highlights, why you think you would be good for that bookstore and tell them that I could bring 10 to 12 people for my talk. And um, if you can advertise in your bookstore and perhaps we can get another 10 to 12, we would have, you know, 20 or 30 people sitting around here and it would be good business for you and a good marketing exercise for me. It will not sell books. You won't sell books. Say you did a book signing and you sold eight books. Well, to be honest, Stephen, you could sit at home doing a Facebook ad and in an hour sell eight books. So it's not it, it's not a great exercise for selling books. It's an ego exercise. There is no problem with an ego exercise. Um, but just make sure if you're approaching a bookstore to do a signing or a talk that you are offering them value. Mm-hmm that it's not just all about you. Um, I've sort of gone in about the talking about, you know, a, a bookstore signing or a bookstore talk or reading, Robert, but I, I wonder if Stephen's sort of looking more of how we can get his books into bookstores, which is a different approach altogether. Yeah, I think um, the stuff you just touched upon there about the ego exercise, I mean, ego, it sounds like a bad word, but everyone's got one. And, yeah, you know, we need to do things that... Um, you know, fulfill that ego. And he said, like, 
you know, keep keep it keep it going. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's one, not a bad th- word. It's not a bad word. Um, one of the things I've noticed because I did the, I, you know, when I started out, I wanted to see my books in the shops. I wanted to be doing book talks. Yeah, you know, I wanted to do that yeah. whole uh, the, the author thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, that's that's what you you um, gr- you know, grow up thinking. You know, this is what authors do. I want to be sat in a room with loads of people buying my books and making them all laugh with a funny anecdote about writing or whatever. Yes. Um, one thing I did find out when I was doing that circuit is there's quite a lot of bookstores don't like Amazon um, yes. because Amazon is like, I actually have a, I think there's a lot of their work practices that are quite, you know, that's probably a different podcast. You know, they're quite questionable, <laughs> but Amazon does provide authors such as myself, such as David, such as loads of people we see online with a, the career that they want like we build a living off of it so yeah. while it offers a lot of opportunities to authors you have to think about it from the, the local bookshop owner who sells paperback books at a higher price than amazon sells ebooks and you know probably doesn't massively like amazon as a just as an entity you know, yeah. it's a threat to their business very true um so I found like when I said, oh, yeah, my books on Amazon, some of them just go like, oh, you know, they because they don't want to buy the books from Amazon. So um, what you yeah. probably also need to do. So this is what I do. I know, David, I know this is what you do as well. Um, y- you can put your books uh, through Ingram Spark. So Ingram Spark is a, uh, a distributor. I don't use them for ebooks. Um, I use them solely for paperbacks. Um, yeah. And they they basically build the book buyers catalog i believe that allows bookshops to purchase books for their store yeah. um i'll be perfectly honest their reporting is naff like as you know i'm a data guy i don't think their reporting is very good like you can't really tell what stores your books are in and things like that um, yeah they will just give you a number they will say you have sold four. we have distributed 450 of your books and you have no idea where exactly. they've gone so yeah the reporting is terrible yeah However, you know, places like WH Smith's, Waterstones, other independent bookshops, I imagine all have access to this book list to be able to order those books in. So yeah. from a practical standpoint, if you want, you know, if you approach a shop and they're keen, they'll say, you know, what, we'll buy 20 of your books. You can sign them all. Um, you don't have to sell them the books. They could buy them for trade price through this catalog. And then and this is what David's saying. is like, think about it from their point of view. What benefit to them is it going to be? So yeah. I, if you haven't already got them on Ingram Spark, I would say look into it. You'd need to just think about that. It costs money. It's about 50 quid per book that you put up on Ingram Spark. There's a, there's a, there's a charge and make sure it's the right one because if you have to change your book in any way there's a an administration fee unless david i might be wrong if you're a member of ali you can you get unlimited upload you get a specific code for your membership that allows you to because they're affiliated with ingram sparks am i right correct yeah you're on the money there so um you can upload your books for free onto ingram spark if you are an Ali member, and I think I don't think it's unlimited, but I think you have maybe five changes every month well, there you under go. that free code. Um, yeah. So as Robert says, Ingram Spark is your print distributor. Yeah. To bookstores, so, so you upload your paperback with your paperback cover to Ingram Spark, and then you set your royalty rate 
Is that correct, Robbie? Yeah, you you put in a price and you select a royalty rate. So yeah, I think you set a trade price, don't you? Like a discount for trade. So yes. bookshops. So you say the price of this book is nine ninety nine, but they can buy it for fifty percent discount. So again, yes. I, I don't. It, it's not like David said. It's not going to sell you loads of books and make you loads of money. But you do need to understand that you know a lot of independent bookshops probably don't want to line Amazon's pockets. Um, yeah. They're not going to buy the books off you for full price. So if you're selling your book for nine ninety nine, they're not going to buy ten of them and give you a hundred quid for it. Because um, yeah. it works. And the only other thing to remember practically is, um, if you're uploading to Ingram Sparks, you need your own ISBN numbers. So yes. on Amazon, if you're doing print books, uh, Amazon can provide you with a with a ISBN number. So that's your barcode essentially um, for free. On Ingram, you need to get your own, so you have to buy them. Um, I think it's from Nielsen's, isn't it? I think that's the name of it, if I recall. That's where I buy mine, yeah. yeah. Um, but you have to buy like a bunch of 10, and it's like mm -hmm. 100 and something pounds. So there are costs to consider. If you want to approach this in the smartest, most professional way, um, before I stop rambling now, my actual view on these is, I, like I said, I wanted to do this when I started and um, I, I was thrilled the first time, like my local Waterstones, when I used to live in Hertfordshire, had a board up on the thing saying author talk, Robert Enright, they had Brilliant. copies of my books, I was thrilled and that quickly dissipated when the only people who turned up for it were people I knew. Yeah. Um, because who knows, I had like one book and my publisher did nothing and I obviously my friends are going to come and support me but it very quickly you know dissipated that um excitement because yeah. he was like okay well i didn't do it. and then obviously i signed the books and then they had their chart of like our top 10 books and i was on there and that was lovely and then two months later when i go in and all the copies are still there but now in like a buy one get one free section so i think that yeah. was probably one of those things that switched my mind to okay well let me approach this in a different way um I'm going to go be an author. So as opposed to try and make myself look like one. Yeah. Um, but it, again, it's part of the journey. It's part of, you know, what's developed the drive within me, like all these experiences. So I, I'd still err on the side of if you want to do it, you know, by all means, go and do it, go and exercise the ego. It's always really good to, you know, do the things that will bring you enjoyment out of being an indie author, but just make sure yeah. you approach it correctly and professionally. And I think David, like you said, don't like insult the bookstore owner by yeah. making it seem like you're doing them a favor. Um, yes. Just, you know, make sure all those things are in place and then, you know, they, they should be more than happy to support you. Um, but I think there's a lot to say. Like, there's a lot of stuff you'd need to do beforehand. Yes, my favorite part of the show. This is the seven questions where we invite an independent author on to answer the same seven questions. They may be the same seven questions, but we get great diversity in the mm -hmm. answers. Today, we have the fantastic author Rosalind Tate with us. She is the best-selling author of The Shortened Chronicles, the uh, romantic time travel sci-fi series which was launched just a couple of years ago. Rosalind, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your books and your author career to date? Yeah, I started late. 
um, in my 50s writing um, and it was an idea in my head and I just wanted to write it so I didn't do what I should have done which is what you're supposed to do which is look at the market and write to market and all the rest mm. of it I just wrote it um, and I had a it took me five years oh wow book one Five years for book one. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and the others are a bit quicker, but uh, not much. I'm still a slow writer. And did you go through the traditional route of trying to find a publisher, or were you aware of the independent route? Um, about 2017, I knew nothing about publishing whatsoever, um, and I went to a I think festival of writing in York, and I was I just assumed I'd try and get traditionally published, um, and I walked into this workshop, a self-publishing workshop, and I thought, oh yes, vanity publishing, you know, whatever, and I <laughs> sat in the front row, and within about 10 minutes, my jaw was on the ground, simply because. Because it was the maths, the royalties, the difference, the control. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow, this is the way to go. And I, I didn't bother querying or anything. I just oh, wow. was independent from the start. Ah, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I wish I had had that position from the start because I took, I, I feel I wasted almost two years of being traditionally published or seeking traditional publishing so um, that wizardry would have been great for me um, around just the same lucky. time about 2017 just lucky I mean I've had a, I've got a friend author who's had a, a terrible experience with a top you know one of the big five um, publishers oh, really? um, yeah. and it's, it's not I think it's getting worse actually it is getting worse The Guardian had an article out this week Robert I meant to discuss it with you um, the average traditional author is now earning £7,500 per year yeah I saw That's that even, yeah it's terrible yeah. horrible horrible I should say this is a gloat I've earned that much this month already <laughs> I can't uh, gloat as well but yeah that's very good <laughs> well you certainly can gloat and those interested in your fantastic uh, genre um, Stranded is the first book in Rosalind's series so do check that out Stranded a romantic time travel mystery are you ready Rosalind to face the seven questions go on then <laughs> Robert you're up oh I'm first am I right you're first All right nice Nice, simple one to go with to start with. Um, Rosalind, are you a full-time author? Not a simple answer, though. Um, <laughs> I'd say about 97% full-time. Okay, great. And the reason for that is is I do two hours a week bookkeeping. Um, so it, it really is oh, okay. full-time, I suppose. Yeah, yeah I'd say those. Um, so... As your ninety-seven percent of your week is dedicated to to your author career, uh, would you be able to just wa- uh, walk us through sort of what that week entails for you? Well, the ideal week, if I'm self-disciplined, uh, I'm an I'm an early riser, so I get up about between five and six, and I. If I'm being good, I don't look at my emails. I don't look at my sales from the previous day. I just go straight in and write. I I stop at nine o'clock and feed the dogs. And then I carry on till 11. And then, or 12, sometimes if I'm on a roll. Um, Then I have a break. And then I do admin and marketing in the afternoon. Uh, Book marketing, book admin, and a bit of life admin. If I'm not being disciplined, then... (laughs) I start a bit later after I've looked at my sales and my emails, but I am trying to get better at doing that. I'm also getting better at taking time off. So in theory, I take a day off a week now. Oh, brilliant. Fantastic. So you're in total control. (laughs) 
Yeah, but it's it's awful because you know I can't complain about the boss because the boss is <laughs> yes. dreadful and I'm the boss. <laughs> so I've got no one to blame but me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. I've nobody to blame either. Um, amazed by your discipline, you say you 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 can stave off looking at the sales figures first thing in the morning. I I'd look at my sales figures time. every twenty minutes. I'm looking <laughs> at my sales figures. I'm terrible, probably. You really are. You really are bad. Brett. Yeah, I'm so bad at it, and it, it'll probably just go up about three. You know, it's no, it's no difference. But um, it is addictive. It's just I, too yeah. easily accessible, isn't it? I use um used to be called Reader Links, but now I use it's called a help reader helper author helper suite, um and it's so easy to see, hmm. um it's so easy yeah. just to see the figures that it is very tempting. <laughs> it really is. It's too tempting. It's pretty pretty much live reporting. Yes. Um. So question two, Rosalind, in the hot seat, are you wide or exclusive? Um, I started off exclusive, and I'm still exclusive. Right. Um, Interesting. And that's because the KU page reads are, are, are worth it for you? Um, yeah. Um, in fact, I looked, I looked it up. Um, it's, I think it's well over half. Um, yeah, it's not un, that's not unco- uncommon, though. Yeah. yeah. 56%. It's KU. Oh, wow. No, 58%, yeah, is KU. Um, and the reason why I started off exclusive is that um, I recognise it was quite a learning curve with Amazon by mm-hmm. itself, you know, and yeah. marketing to Amazon via third-party sites, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and doing that f- for multiple platforms seemed to me to be for another day once I gained the experience with Amazon. And the other thing is, is that my genre, um, we, we, I mean, time travel is, is, is a quite a wide subgenre, actually, because you have straight sort of thriller mm-hmm. time travel. Yeah. Um, you have um, romance time travel with kilts. Um, and you have romantic time, time travel as a subplot. So the romance is a subplot. So there's lots of little layers. But generally, time travel is, is quite heavy in Kindle Unlimited. It's, it's heavily used. So it was yeah. suitable for my genre. Um, I'd love to go wide down the line, um, but I don't think I'll be doing that until I'm onto another series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very similar sort of process to me and Robert. We would ideally like to be wide, but it's just easier to spin the one plate with Amazon and it's a big enough plate to be spinning as it is. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, there's been times where we've dipped our toe in and the concerns Mm. you had around, like, having to do stuff for five platforms, the thing is, is those five platforms all act differently. So it's not just, okay, well, I've done it for Amazon, I can now just do it for Kobo, do it for Apple. Like, they, they, they require different different stuff as well so it's a smart decision you've saved yourself a lot of stress the the, the expertise with advertising i I would like to have i know perhaps you never do but i would like to have more of a handle on facebook ads um before the wide decision even even comes up i think yeah Yeah, my my facebook ads have always worked for me but they never worked for the wider retailers they've always just worked bringing them directly to amazon i'm not sure why Okay. But, um, yeah, that that was my experience of it. Daunting. Um, question three: Name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. That's easy. MailerLite. Yay! Um, oh, great answer. <laughs> or, or, or other platforms are available. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
it's the foundation of my business, um, my readers club. Um, and of course, it enables me to send out a thousand emails. Um, whereas if I did it myself, it would be <laughs> not very efficient. Um, yes. I love them because they, their customer service, when I started, I had no idea what I was doing. And I, it, I found it very hard to maneuver around their, their, their site, even though it actually is very good. Mm. But I'm a Luddite. So for me, this was a, you know, a first thing. And their customer service, their online chat, you know, you, you message them saying, hello, I have no idea what I'm doing. And they reply literally in yeah. three minutes. Um, so that, that got me over a, a really big um, problem, actually, how, how it worked. Um, but no, I, it is the foundation of the business, so I couldn't be without it. Oh, fantastic. So you, you rely heavily on your email list and more so than direct marketing? Um. It's part of the package, but it yeah. is the crucial part of the package. It's a part of the package that I have control over. I, I have no control yeah. over Facebook or Amazon or if I, over anything yeah. except my readers club. Uh, yeah. um, and it's I, the only I, data we own, isn't it? Really? Yes, absolutely. And yeah. I, I, although I love MailerLite, every month I've diarised to um, download the list, so it's on my computer, on my bit of iCloud. So if MailerLite oh. suddenly disappeared in a puff of smoke, I'm, I'm sure it won't. But if it did, if it I did. would still have those emails and still have my people that's fantastic oh that's a fantastic. wonderful tip yeah, fantastic tip. i love I, that tip i'm gonna do that I, when we're finished I recording that. this but that's 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 just i'm paranoid you see that's why <laughs> yes you were right to be paranoid because it is so fickle the digital world it, it yes, can it just is. crash at any point Yes, it is. Um, great tip, actually. I'm really going to follow through on that one. That's why I love having these, <laughs> these seven questions. Um, it brings us to question four. So how do you market your books? Well, I started off um, hoping, uh, despite being told by everybody in the business that this wasn't going to happen, that lightning would strike after the first week being published. Um, so I started slowly. Um, I did a promo with um, Book Doggy, which lets you do a promo without reviews. And of course, I just published, so I hadn't got any reviews. Um, and I got 12 sales. I was very excited. Yeah. Um, and I, I had I already set up my platform. I did Mark Dawson's 101 course now called Launchpad. Yes. So I got my um, Readers Club set up. I got a free uh, reader magnet, um, short story exclusive to the Readers Club. Um, and then very, very slowly, um, I did. I took advantage of the KU promos every quarter. So I reduced the price to 99 cents or free. And gradually, as I got more reviews, um, I went to the bigger sites like Book Barbarian, Bargain Booksy. And actually, for the money you pay, I think they're pretty good value Hmm. um, because you do get more readers and you do get sales. Um, But I also realized that I had to be um, put my big girl pants on and I had to learn paid advertising. Yeah. So uh, about three months after I published book one, um, I did the book bub course on Mark Dawson's ads course and um, I got on with it. And that was the platform for me to start with because it wasn't too complicated. And it took me about six weeks to find the comp authors and all the rest of it. And yeah. I think that the ads that I did on there, testing really mostly, because it's only when you have a sale that the BookBub is really useful. Yeah. Um, I think that helped me get a BookBub deal uh, the following February and the BookBub deal the year after. Um, so that was incredibly helpful. That really did um, lift the sales and it had a huge tail. Both um, BookBub deals did. Um, oh, so I, I, st- and I still use BookBub. That. You still use, I then do you, very sorry. Do you still use I book still use book, 
in in sales when, when, I, when it's 99 cents or whatever. Oh, wow. Yes, I do. Yeah. Do BookBub ads work when you're selling at full price? No. It, it's mostly for discounted Not, novels. No, they're, yeah. they're bargain hunters. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, the jury's out whether it works for Kindle Unlimited. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, I then unwisely thought, right, what's the next goal, next shiny thing? Oh, I know, I'll do Amazon ads because Facebook ads sound a bit complicated and people worry about shut downing their accounts. I'll do Amazon ads. What a nightmare. <laughs> Honestly, oh. I, I, was, I was the Excel queen. I did everything <laughs> according to the books and other books and courses and and I yeah. now know how they work and how they don't and um, if you're listening to this and you've got one book out and unless you've got a very rich husband or you yourself are very rich I'd put it off a bit <laughs> because I think it probably yeah. would be cost effective if you've got eight or nine books in a series really yeah. um, particularly at this time of year Christmas when it's not worth doing um, it does work because it also generates somehow organic sales within Amazon um <laughs> But getting, uh, uh, even breaking even, I think, with not many books out is very difficult to do. Yeah. Now, yeah, you, this it, time of the year is crazy. If you're not worried about making any money and you think, well, I just want to have visibility, then yes, it does. But it's an awful lot of work. Yeah. Um, so in the spring this year, I then turned my attention to Facebook ads that I've been very worried about. And actually, it does, as you say, David, it does what it says on the tin. It's far more, um, you can see what's happening. It tells you what's happening. It tells yeah. you what you're doing wrong, mostly. Um, it's, it's, it's a much, I find it a much friendlier platform. Yeah. Um, I'm still testing on $5 a day, whatever, um, particularly at the moment as it's so expensive before Christmas. Um, I'm going to do the dreaded scaling up in January. We'll see what happens then. Um, <laughs> as far as free marketing is concerned, I do TikTok. You can see the silly, silly crown ah. on the on the book. Um, I enjoy it. Oh, yes. It's it's and it is silly and it's free. And this is I call it my lottery app because it literally is lightning. You can be plucked from obscurity, um, even if you're doing the same videos as everybody else. Um, but it's fun and it's free. And the other platform I'm just starting to investigate is Pinterest which is also free. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, a very much a long-term thing. It takes a long time to build up um, a following there, um, but it suits my sort of books, historical, um, p- pretty pictures of clothes, of castles, of whatever. Um, it does suit uh, my genre, if you like. Um, yeah. Is it, is it very genre-specific? I don't think it is, but it has to be something which where you can have a, a pretty inexhaustible supply of pretty pictures, pretty pins. Yes. Yeah. So, yes, historical costumes, historical key. figures, um, events in history. Um, it suits it. And, of course, you can obviously just put pictures of your books and so on. Um, but that's that's generally the marketing, the marketing strategy. Oh, but it's going to be well, concentrating on Facebook ads. Um next year new year yeah well I don't know about you Rob this uh, Rosalind is the 10th author to um, take part in the 7 questions I think that's the most interesting and eclectic answer we've had <laughs> to marketing yeah. and so she's had the fingers in all the pies really yeah. and tested everything mm-hmm. I think that's it you've, you've sort of tested what's um, what's worked for you what hasn't worked for you and it just it just makes yeah. me think that we should have a two indie authors TikTok channel <laughs> 
Yes. I haven't tried TikTok oh, for my gosh, books. Oh, gosh, yes, you yeah. definitely should. Yeah, definitely. And because there's two, two of you, you could do, you know, duet videos and whatever. I've just cringed inside myself there, but we could try it. Trust me, no dance. If, if anyone checks out my TikTok account, no dancing. One lip syncing, I think, to a song in the... But that's it. Um, so you don't have to do ridiculously silly things. Uh, again, right. I can recommend um, the ads course, um, Mark Dawson's ad course for that, because it is not yeah. easy to understand. When you've done the little course that he does, which is brilliant, yes, it's fine. But otherwise, it's just incomprehensible. How these 14-year-olds just pick up their phones and go, yeah, 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 yeah. I have no idea. I say, but yes. I couldn't have done it without the course because they they don't they don't care what people think about them. <laughs> that's that's why. That's yeah, why kids exactly. Also, I'm I've always been a bad dancer, so it was just I was just never going to go there. <laughs> never going to go there. <laughs> right, but no, that's um that's sure. a really really good a great yeah, answer. really varied answer. Um, yes. So I'm interested to hear the answer to the next question, Rosalind, which is, um, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? I wish I'd known that actually starting from nothing can be an advantage in that you don't have Mm -hmm. to do everything yesterday. You're in control of it. Mm -hmm. You should do things at your own pace because if you make a mistake or if you don't do things, your seven readers don't notice in the world yeah um and i wish i'd taken at least one day a week off i didn't i think for six the first six months i, I was a hundred miles an hour just doing everything 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 um so anyone's watching this and they're about to publish the book you have time to do everything properly how you want to do it without giving yourself crazy deadlines slow down it's your first book it's going to happen slowly anyway Mm-hmm. Um, chances are. So be kind to yourself. And when you get that first physical copy through the post, don't put it to one side or don't just quickly check it to make sure it's all right and then put it on side and get it on the next task. No, stop. Get yourself a glass of champagne <laughs> and take a picture of it. Nice. <laughs> so I wish I'd known yeah. that actually it's going to take time anyway, so... Make it a regular job as opposed to, you know, a completely mad, mad rush, obsessive mad rush, which it was in the first six months. This is incredibly sound yeah. advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You seem very Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. And we learn as we go. Yes. Well, it's, it's, it's been, so it's only, yeah. It's only five years you've been publishing. Oh, no, no. I, I, the, the first book was published in October 2020. So, oh, so it's only a couple of years. Was, but that oh. book took me, as I say, five years to write. Yeah, um, oh, that took five the, the years second, to write. The second book was this next October, and the third book has only just come out, which is that October's just gone. Oh, Another reason why my list is so important, because I'm asking my readers to wait for a year between books, yeah. and I do cliffhangers. Yeah. Believe me, yeah. cliffhangers oh, so with a capital C. So they're all waiting for the next book, and they have to wait a year. Oh, I'm trying to right. get a bit faster, but... Um, I'm just not very fast. So you leave them clinging on by their fingernails for a I year? I do. I'm hoping to be a two-book-a-year book a girl, but we'll see. Okay. Well, I'm a two-book-a-year guy, and I have to say, I'm sorry if any of my readers are listening to this, there's nothing more frustrating. I released a book last week. And oh, well done. It, 
on release day, and you know, and these sharks who read the books, they, they read them in a day. Yes, mine do. Um, they're reading, oh, that was brilliant, David. Thanks very much. When's the next book out? Mine aren't as so flat as that. the day of release, I had three of those messages. I'm like, oh, come on. I haven't even thought of it yet. So I can only imagine what your readership is like. Well, Robin. mine write to me and go, write faster. Write faster. I'm like, okay, I'm trying. It's a tough, it's a tough gig. Um, so, well, that's a frustration for me. But um, question six for you is, what's the biggest frustration overall for you as an independent author? Um, time, actually, is, is the frustration. The time it takes, um, obviously there isn't enough hours in the day, but the time it takes to build up a fan base, mm. to build up a platform. Um, again, yeah. there's the difference between what the rational brain knows and what you hope. So I knew it was going to take a while. Um, I knew this was going to be a marathon, not a sprint. But nevertheless, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. And you think, no, I've just got to... So, for example, I've got another example of it, um, audiobooks. Uh Two of my audiobooks Mm -hmm. are done. Uh, They're both uploaded to uh, Audible, um, exclusive for various reasons, um, just for 90 days, the first 90 days. Um, And Audible UK can't get their act together. They can't get the cover on the, the, uh-huh. the audiobook. Now, who is going to buy an audiobook without a cover? Yeah. Yeah. I've been trying to get this sorted for a week. So I can't market it. I can't market it with my street team. I can't do anything. Um, so that's a bit frustrating. Um, but yeah. mostly, it's, it's how long everything takes. And again, if you're just starting out, I would say give yourself a five-year aim. At the end of five yeah. years, what, where would you want to be? Nice Don't give tip, yourself a yeah. six-month same like I did, <laughs> and then find you're not yeah. there. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so that is a frustrating frustration, isn't it? You yeah. mentioned Mer- Mailer Light earlier on, and that their customer service is so approachable and, and swift. Yes, very but, good. Um, sometimes when we're dealing with the likes of the big giants like Facebook and Amazon, it, you can be left waiting um, to hear back on on any matter uh, very important or not very important at all you will be left waiting and it's interesting um a funny story really um amazon associate you know, affiliate links and all that um, yes. actually it is the one example of where repeating your actions and expecting a different result it's not a sign of madness i just kept on <laughs> when when they said no no you can't do this and you can't do this in the usa you haven't got any affiliate links on your website i just sent the same email every two days for a week and eventually a human being wow. picked it up and said oh yeah you're right and it was exactly the same email <laughs> that's it you're waiting on a human yes it's, it's to try yeah try and get that human rather than uh, <laughs> some sort of bot or, or algorithm absolutely um yeah i i i, I um feel your pain there with uh with audible at times um <clears throat> however you've made it through um to the final question rosalind um, and you've already given us some excellent tips and I think passed on some good advice um, through yep. your answers. However, last question, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Um, if you are watching this and um, you haven't yet published your book and you think your book is finished, in inverted commas, find the best editor mm. you can, the best professional editor you can and ask for a structural edit of the works. Now, editors are like frogs. You have to kiss a lot 
to find your prince or your princess. <laughs> but it is absolutely essential. When I finished my first book and I thought it was finished and I finally found my dream editor, the report was 20 pages long and I had to go and have a lie down in a oh. dark room and basically wow. rewrite it. Oh, wow. Rewrite it. Um, but And she's ferocious and pernickety and pedantic, um, but she's absolutely fabulous. And she ensures that the book is as good as it can be. Um, because you can set up a platform, you can set up a website, you can set up your um, readers club, you can do all these things and you can learn all you can about marketing. But the book... The first book of the first series is the foundation of your whole business. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that has to be as good as it can be. And you get a professional cover made, unfortunately, unless, you're a, unless you make covers. Um, that's very important too. But actually, the contents of the book, and it fits into some genre or subgenre on Amazon as well, helps. Um, but it has to be as good as it can be. So if you're going to spend money on you have only got enough money to spend on one thing, that professional editor, when you find them, they get the book, they get you, and they're enthusiastic about it. Such, That's such fundamental things. There's something, yeah, it really is. We echo that. Mm. A, a, a developmental editor or a structural editor is key. The key investment for you as an independent author. Obviously, you, you might want to go and buy a bottle of gin before you read the report. <laughs> Yes. Top tip. <laughs> Absolutely. I always have a bottle of gin to be fair <laughs> <laughs> well Rosalind thank you so much they are the seven questions you have answered them brilliantly another fantastic guest on this segment of the show um, we really appreciate you taking the time if our listeners would like to reach out to you or to have a peek at your books where could they find you um, if you go to Rosalind or you Google rosalindtate.com, um, you'll see all my books on my website. Um, if you um, are an author, there's also a, a page for authors, which is a core list of resources. There's an awful lot of stuff out there, far too much, some of it not very good. It just allows you to work through the list, um, sites that I've personally used and recommend um, as a guide, which may be helpful. Um, and if you go to Amazon and just put in Rosalind Tate Stranded, um, you'll find me. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us, Rosalind. It's been it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank it's you. It's been great fun. Great fun. So Rob, how awesome was Rosalind? Ah, oh, she was fantastic, wasn't she? Yeah. Just so impressive. Another great independent author willing to be just open and transparent with us about how she runs her business and and i think it's it's brilliant because i you know we've had people talk about how like goodreads is their their main advertising platform we've had multiple authors yeah. say you know they rely on facebook ads um amazon ads but yeah she was all over everything wasn't she book bar ads she's like amazon mailing list it's brilliant it's excellent to she see. loved the discount um advertising sites like yeah yeah uh, fussy librarian all of those types of things and it's it's made she's actually made me jot down notes because i want to get back into those as well i used to have some fun doing the discount sites yeah. um and advertising there and i just don't i haven't done it in a couple of years it, so it gives um, you a bit of a yeah. rush doesn't it whenever you even you know we always talk about like a book bub so even when you have like a, a yeah fussy librarian or a book doggy or something like that you yeah. know it's that day is going to be different to your normal day 
because yeah. there will be more eyes on your on your book so yeah i just think it's it's fascinating and like you said there it's you know we're learning from every author we speak to like it's so true yeah it really is <laughs> everybody that speaks in this podcast i learned something there mm. but yeah no it's fantastic and um she, yeah she she was absolutely wonderful as well yeah thanks rosalind again for for taking the time to be with us today um so robert we're what are we we are recording this december 15th we are 10 days out from christmas we will have one more podcast for you before the holidays but um i'm not letting you get away with this you teased mm. something early on in this show um is it time to unwrap your gift for our listeners it is indeed so um over the course it's been wonderful doing this podcast over the last 10 weeks and i think over the, every single episode yeah. at some point i've mentioned something about data or about um tracking sales or using data to make informed decisions as opposed to just throwing stuff throwing money uh, at ads and yeah. seeing if they work and and not being able you know it's a horrible like um businessy words like you know being able to do projections and you know predict you know forecasting sales and all that stuff this jargon and stuff we don't want to deal with as all business stuff yeah yeah but it makes sense to be able to do it now i spent um, a decade as like a data analyst and systems person so as you've seen before david i've mentioned on this podcast i've built myself an all singing all dancing spreadsheet that does a lot of stuff for me sales tracking um comparisons of spend all that stuff what i've done is i have built a sales tracking spreadsheet that is free for all of our listeners to download there's no cost there's no email address needed and um, what this spreadsheet does it allows you to input all of your sales your page reads your royalties your audiobook sales from whenever you started up until the end of 2022 just in one column wow. basically on one on one sheet and then it also provides you with a monthly tracker for 2023 to track um each book so break it down enter the information and then what it does is it gives you a landing like a, an overview page which gives you a total of everything you've sold every page read you've had every royalty every audiobook if you have them and then it also splits it out by your books as well Incredible. So, um, what that should allow you to do is it should allow you just to see uh, which book. So, if you don't, if you don't write in a series, like yourself, David, if you were to input all the information yeah. for your books in there, you'd be able to very quickly see which that uh, you know which ones doing the best essentially. Yeah. Um, it's also information you should have if you're running this as a business. You should know how much you're making, how many you're selling. Um, there's also a tab on there for read through which is probably more for a series because i we've discussed before david it's difficult for you to know if someone read the suicide pact then went on to read she said three said um yeah. however this spreadsheet does if you write in a series um it does do a calculation where it works out based on the number of sales per book what the percentage of your read through is and yeah. therefore um based on the number of books you have what your calculated um sales is for selling the first book so if you've got 10 books it will tell you like oh one sale could equal um 
25 pounds and your average read through is like 80 percent, which we spoke about i think in episode six we it was called the numbers that matter we spoke about how this is this is basically the basis of my business so that spreadsheet is completely free to download i will put the link to it it just links to my website so it's not going to take you off to any dodgy website or anything like that um it's just a page on my my official website um there'll be a little logo for you to click on it will download and there is a instruction sheet on there that should walk you through step by step how to use it and how to um how to set up your current your historical information and then how to do it month on month so um i will put the link um when i post the thing to say this episode's out usually have a little video of yours and my uh you and me chatting away i will put the link in there but i'll also pin the link to the top of the facebook group so people can get it great that's such a great gift robert um nice christmas gift from you the santa claus of the indie community um yeah what, what's genius about this is there's so many authors who, who who will complain they say oh i'm running ads but every one sale i get is costing me seven pounds fifty when i'm really only getting two pound fifty royalty from the book so i'm losing a fiver uh-uh robert's spreadsheet if filled in correctly and he has all the instructions for you to do that will show you exactly how much you're getting for that seven pound fifty spend Mm-hmm. It takes everything into consideration. Your KU, your read through, which Robert went through in episode six of why that is one of the key words and phrases that you will use in your in the author career. Um, so there's so many people look at it black and white. They think I'm spending seven fifty. I'm only sent, sold one book. That's a loss of five pounds. Robert, Robert's gift to you will prove to you that your sale one sale is much much more valuable than even you think yeah and again um i think our whole thing is is we we just want to we're here to help people um yeah so if you do download the spreadsheet um i would implore you to go through the instructions step by step but then obviously if there's any um questions i you know i appreciate some people aren't great with excel um so if there's issue like if there's a lot of formulas in it and stuff so if people do have any issues with it or have any questions please feel free to post in the facebook group and i will help you so brilliant sounds great and if they want to if our listeners want to reach out to you robert where can they get you um on facebook is robert enright um i have a facebook page robert enright author um you'll see me uh, there i'm on instagram as well at Rob Enright author uh, or probably easiest just get us in the two indie authors Facebook groups where I spend most of my time now <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you can catch me on um, theopenauthor.com which is my official website but we are more interested in you joining our Facebook group which is two indie authors um, on Facebook because we want to sort of build a community there where we all help and assist each other and and, and really bring to light how you can succeed uh, in this business absolutely well um david we have one more to go before christmas have a tremendous week and i will see you next week talk to you soon
Chile, windy, over.